Hi, and welcome back to the Bridgerton Bitches. We're two sisters who love costume dramas, and we're talking everything Bridgerton. So we're on episode six now. My name's Christina. And I'm Natalie. And today we're going to start off by looking at our best bits, the eye roll moments, the shockers, and our favourite quotes from episode six of this Netflix TV series, Bridgerton. Now, this is where we'd have like a really cool costume drama Regency themed tune to introduce our show, but we just can't be bothered. So we're going to start straight away by talking about our best bits so far. So Chris, can I start off with my best bit about this episode? Go on, go for it. So I want you to picture Simon is in bed with uh, Daphne and he's all like, you're all Duke, or you're the Duchess of all of this. And I swear, I'm not misremembering, he puts her hand on his, on his chest. That was probably my favourite part. Nah, one of my favourite parts of this entire episode. Wow, of the entire episode, fair play. I think um, maybe now I'm remembering the episode I, I spoke too soon. But yeah, I that's one of did. my best bits. Yeah, I did. Because I'm thinking of a particular bit that was my favourite bit, and it was rather raunchy, and it involved um, outdoors and rain. So, But we'll get to that later. Um, all the juicy stuff comes later so at the beginning of this episode basically Daphne and Simon rock up at Cliveden um, which by the way is incredible um, I tried to look up where they filmed this because it's absolutely stunning and it, but it's filmed at lots of different places um, did you look that up I did and apparently um, so is, is it Cliveden House it's a fictional name where the Duke mm -hmm. lives is that right and apparently it was filmed in three locations so one of the locations was I think the external part of the house was Badminton House in Gloucestershire and then also part of it was a Ragn Ragnall's House in Greenwich southeast London which was actually inhabited by King George III's sister Princess Augusta because do you remember in the episode um Oh, what's she called? The maid, Mrs. Colston. She's mm -hmm. giving a bit of history around the house and she's making out that the house was actually given to Admiral Thomas by Princess Augustus. So yes. I don't know how true that is, but I feel like they based it loosely on real life events. Mm -hmm. Although I don't know if the house belonged to an Admiral Thomas. I don't know if that dude existed. Um, whilst you're on that bit, it really bothered me, and I didn't really get why, how the housekeeper is showing Daphne around and giving her a bit of a tour. And just as she's about to tell her like these juicy, like kind of history facts, um, Daphne steps in and says, oh yes, I know, because my younger sister Hyacinth told me blah, blah. And the housekeeper looks a little bit put out and annoyed. And every time Daphne says something smart about being like the Duchess, um, the housekeeper gets annoyed. Do you get the sense that the housekeeper actually wants to be the one in charge and she wanted to teach Daphne as if she didn't know anything? Definitely. Like, straight away, I felt like there was this rivalry between them and she really tries to assert the control at the, at the start of their relationship, doesn't she? She's like, she's like yeah. when Daphne and the Duke first see her, she's all like... I've arranged this, I've arranged that. And they straight away, they're like, oh no, we're going to do our own thing. So I felt like it was a power struggle this entire episode. You're right. And, and even when um, she sees the portrait of Simon's mother and the housekeeper's like, she was the perfect duchess. And she kind of gives Daphne definite side eye as if to say, you ain't ever going to live up to her. Did you notice that? 
I noticed it big time because I actually wrote down passive aggressive much. And then that was one of the questions I was going to ask you, like, what is her problem with Daphne? And, oh, it just felt, I mean, that was actually one of my eye roll moments, which I thought we could talk about a little bit later. But yeah, interesting dynamic there. But then she melts a little bit later, which I kind of liked. Yeah. And it's just awkward, though. Like, Daphne doesn't pick up on this at all. I don't know how, because it was so obvious. You know, when they're having that conversation, they're having tea. And the housemaid's like, at the end of the day, a woman can't conceive without healthy seed. And during that conversation, Daphne puts her hand on the housekeeper's hand. And the housekeeper just looks so, I don't know, disturbed by it. She doesn't like it at all. And Daphne's oblivious. I read that interest. I read that differently. I thought she felt uncomfortable in terms of, like, you're the lady but I also felt like she liked it. Didn't she start to kind of reveal a little bit more after that? Okay, now you've said that, I can kind of see it. So it was more that she just felt awkward and uncomfortable rather than disliking it. But maybe she kind of liked and appreciated the gesture. Mm. She's very set in her way. She's got these really strict ideas of what a lady should and shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. Um, Like with the lavender and the basket scene later on in the episode. So I've got quite a few best bits. I've got like a page and there's quite a few set at Clifton, which is understandable because, you know, Daphne and the Duke are in their honeymoon period. It's all new. It's all exciting. Mm -hmm. So on my best bits, I've also got the the scene where um, the Duke comes in for dinner and they're sat at this massive table and Daphne's one end and he's the other. And she's like, what's the matter? And he's like, you're so far away. And um, she basically, they, they get the chair and they move Daphne closer to him. And I really like that. And you can tell the servants are a bit like, hmm, okay. Um, and she's wearing gloves. And he's like, you don't need to wear these. And he kind of very seductive, well, she very seductively takes them off. I thought that was a good scene. I did like that scene. So two things to say about that. Firstly, you are a costume designer, as you you told us very early on at the beginning of the podcast. Um, were gloves like sexy? Like, did they represent sex? Were they quite a seductive garment? I guess like people didn't. So like whenever you see a dance scene in a costume drama, they're quite often uh, wearing gloves. Um, and that's because you wouldn't be really expected to touch skin on skin, I suppose, with a member of the opposite sex. Um, it's just it's just creating that barrier isn't it and decorum um, so I guess by removing those gloves it's kind of it's a level of intimacy isn't it in a way yeah I think so what I noticed the second time that I watched this episode is how that scene where he walks in and he's like oh are we expecting guests like this is a really formal setup for us to be having dinner together and the butler or whatever he's called is like, this is how, you know, your dad did it. And even though he's uncomfortable and he clearly doesn't like it, he still doesn't do anything about it. Like he still sits down. And I was like, oh, even though your dad is dead, he still has that control over you. Like you still don't feel able to be like, no, enough. I'm going to do it my way. And it's actually Daphne. He's like, oh, you're so far away. Like his mood changes. And it's Daphne who kind of gets the, the pickaxe and breaks through the ice again, doesn't she? Like she's the one that makes light of it. And I thought that was quite, you're right. I, was like, I was like, why did they put that scene in? But I think it's to demonstrate that his dad still controls him. Hold. And he still feels slightly, um, you're right, uncomfortable. It's still his father's house. And yeah, even like- when 
Daphne's like, oh, I'd like to redecorate, but I wouldn't do anything without asking. He's like, I don't care. Do what you want. Paint it pink. Like, I don't have any sentimentality around this house. But you're right. That definitely shows that something there, isn't there? Yeah, like almost like he's like in little kid mode, like, oh, your dad did it this way. So that's how it's done. And I thought it was interesting how Daphne was the one that sort of chilled, Mm. like made the situation more relaxed. I didn't notice that the first time around. Um, So this is my best bit of the whole episode. And it's the scene that comes up after this one. okay? and I've done Mm. three bullet points as to why this is my favorite scene. okay? and the scene I'm talking about is when straight after this, Simon gets Daphne. He drags her outside. It starts to rain and he, he they have that epic sex scene in like the folly. And I've put number one, sexy rain time. So any Mm -hmm. like romantic scene in the rain is in so many romantic films. It's just the best. Two, good music. There's like a really good uh, musical song playing in this scene. Number three, top straight off. So as soon as he goes into the folly, like he just takes a shirt off straight away. And I'm like, nice. It's such a good scene. It's so passionate. And I don't know, just the landscape and everything. But I will say it didn't, he didn't last long, which I know you brought up in a few episodes ago about the length he's lasting and how you weren't too impressed. And I'm not even sure if Daphne, you know, finished. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. For someone who's supposed to rake across the land, Daphne's words, not mine. I don't know. I would hope that he would last a little bit longer, but we did talk about the psychology behind that. Like, oh, is he a selfish lover? Um, I liked that he took his top off. I really appreciated that. So thank you, directors of Bridgerton. Um, <laughs> what I noticed is if you rewatch the scene, have you noticed how bedding miraculously appears? But it's like grey bedding, so it almost blares into the... So it looks like the same colour as the stone floor. Did you notice that? You must have been looking very closely and pausing multiple times yeah. because I did not notice yeah. that. Did you zoom as well? I did Zoom, pause, press pause, fast forward, rewind. Also, I guess, why was I looking at the floor when there's mm. a, like, a beautiful couple having sex? Although, you know, you look like a pervert because you were looking. So. <laughs> you were looking away because um, you were embarrassed. I was just being really pragmatic. I was like, oh, that's going to be quite cold and quite hard. And then I noticed that the bedding. So that if is. you rewind and watch it, you will notice that. But that is that is a really beautiful scene. I totally agree with that. It's so good. Um, it's perfect. It's romantic. It's passionate. Um, I really liked it. But like you say, it was very... The thing I've noticed with Simon, and this is probably going into way too much detail for some of our listeners, but um, he always starts off really slow and romantic when he's having sex. And then like 10 seconds in, he's like, bam, 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 bam. And always like, Simon, just slow down. Like, just you know, take your time. It's a marathon, not a race kind of thing. <laughs> I would love it if she said that to him in the TV show. Yeah. I would love that. Um, there's this, no, you're this right. bit at the end. So basically this scene is another learning point. So I feel like there's two or three occasions where they're either having sex or Daphne's having a conversation and it gives her a clue or a hint that actually she doesn't understand conception. And this is really the first one And that's when Simon basically orgasms and she leans over and she's like, are you hurt? Because it sounds like he's in pain. And Mm -hmm. he laughs at her. That was the first clue, wasn't it? That she doesn't understand um, what's going on. So is this one of your best bits now? Or are we talking about kind of awkward eye roll? Okay. But it's just because we were kind of on on that scene, I thought I just wanted to mention 
um that mm. that's what happens isn't it that's the yeah. first clue she gets that actually there's something else she doesn't understand she's so ignorant it's ridiculous and he laughs at her and I was like oh do you know she's ignorant because you had to tell her you had to tell her to touch herself like three episodes mm. ago um but yeah you're right about that so one of my best bits so my first best bit was the bit where Simon was like oh you're duchess of all of this put your hands on my body and I was like that's cute mm-hmm. um I loved the bit when they are driving up to the, the beautiful house I just loved the drama I loved how all the staff were standing on the stairs um the second thing that I really loved about this episode is when Penelope is at the um, the Featherington's house, not the Featherington's, the Bridgerton household. Mm-hmm. And she she walks behind uh, Colin and says, I've got something to tell you. And, you know, you really need to know. And he's like, oh, my gosh, do I have something on my face? And I just thought that was hilarious. Yeah, and he's like, I think oh, my God, has it, has it been there all night? And I was like, fair play. Like, Colin isn't the most charismatic or charming guy but I will give him credit credit I did think that was quite funny and kind of cute yeah and he had a couple of one-liners and I was like hmm do you fancy Colin more after this episode Mm, maybe in that one scene for like five seconds and then I was kind of over it um Mm. talking of the Bridgerton brothers I've also got a Bridgerton brother on one of my best bits and I've just called it Anthony angry daddy so basically I (laughs) I really like the scene where he loses his shit at Colin. So he's just found out that Colin, to be fair, Colin really did screw up by kind of announcing his engagement without even telling his family, which is really not cool. And mm-hmm. Anthony's really angry. And one of the first things he said is, have you compromised this young lady? Um, and I was like, oh, go, Anthony, you're being like daddy mode, meaning yeah. have you got her pregnant? And is this why you're rushing the marriage? Um, and then he says, which I love, I should have taken you to brothels it's my fault you didn't have a chance to kind of like spread your wild seeds and and you know this and now you've fallen in love with the first girl you've met mm. um I liked Anthony in this scene I liked seeing him angry I don't know why it's because he was being responsible maybe for the first time but what was really sad in this scene is um Colin says something like I will do this with or without your permission but I would rather do it with your uh, with your blessing and Anthony says well, I'm afraid I'm going to have to disappoint you. And Colin says, you have in more ways than one. And I was like, oh, that's sad. So I put that down, that exact quote, as one of my favourite quotes, because I just thought it was really smart. Are you drinking wine right now? It's chocolate flavoured wine, and it's absolutely delicious. That Are sounds right. I'm so jealous. So yeah, jealous. It, it proper tastes of chocolate. Oh, man, can you save me some? It's too late. It's all gone. This is the last glass. Oh, my word. You can't blame me. Too late. I already do. So I love that scene. It's just really hot. Um, Just really, really hot, actually. And I thought Colin stepped up in terms of his hotness. Like, his hotness level went up for me because he was like, you are disrespecting me and you are disrespecting my beloved. And I was like, ah. So you like the assertiveness? Yeah, I do. And I just love, he was like, my beloved and I was like that's nice at the same time though he's so um naive like he barely knows Marina even Mm. more so because he can't even tell that she's kind of got this whole double life but um I mean do you think it's true do you think that if he'd been taken to brothels I mean why didn't Anthony take him to a brothel maybe because he was too busy 
going to brothels himself, knowing Anthony, or too busy boning um, his girlfriend, what's she called? Oh, I cannot oh, remember Christina. her name. Sabrina. Sienna. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, I would love it if Colin was like, oh, well, you've compromised a young lady, so why aren't you marrying Sienna? Burn. Wow, you're awesome. brave. And then run away. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay so that was one of our favorite bits was it yes I still got a few more I had quite a few best bits in this I've got one I've got one when Colin is talking to uh Miss Thompson and she's like oh you know if my dad didn't want me the featherings want to get rid of me and your, your family can't stand me basically and he says we shall make our own family I'm your family now and I was like oh my god I can't remember the last time that I fell in love with a fictional character before (laughs) Yeah, and I was I was watching that scene and Marina hugs him and I was looking at her and I was thinking, how are you not actually falling in love with this guy for real? I mean, is mm. it, I guess, because she's in love with her, she's already in love with somebody and she's pregnant and maybe she doesn't have the headspace to actually start to fall for him? No. Do you think she would have looked at him twice had she not been pregnant? You know what? Maybe not because he is very, very naive and she's more worldly and street smart and maybe they maybe she wouldn't have seen the appeal in him he's very boyish mm. isn't he yeah yeah the only other thing that I thought was quite funny is when we meet this um one of the people that live on the, this, this woman that lives on the duke's land and she basically becomes Daphne's ally and she's got the most Cornish accent I've heard in ages is it Cornish or is that Devonshire you're so right we come it- from Devon it does so sound really like West, yeah, it does sound really West Country, but I'm not sure if they ever say where his estate is meant to be based, do they? No, I mean, I guess it was filmed over three properties, and one of those was Gloucestershire, but it was so strong, I loved it. Um, it was like being back home, wasn't it, down south in Devon? Yeah, it was good. <laughs> she was she was very um stereotype. She was. She was very, very stereotypical, like Devonshire. But can I just say that I noticed that the Duke, because the little kid is crying. So that's the fair. Little kid's crying. Daphne picks up the little kid. We meet the mum. And then the Duke actually looks down at the child with disgust. Mm, I noticed that. I was like, whoa. He looked really unhappy about it. And it's really difficult, isn't it? Because I... I might have put this in my eye rolls actually so I won't mention it yet but um, I definitely noticed the facial expression and I thought anyone else standing there would be like what's up with this guy yeah like what's his beef what's his problem um talking about back to the Bridgen house sorry there's, there's a best bit that I had where um one of the sisters so one of Penelope I don't know the names of Penelope's sisters because they just are so similar one of them mm-hmm. is playing the piano and the other one is singing so badly out of tune and you can see Colin is trying not to laugh and that's why he has to get up and excuse himself and leave the room and I like yeah. that that really what that really reminded me of Pride and Prejudice where the Bennets are playing and they're like embarrassing themselves in front of like Mr. Darcy and high society. And Elizabeth Bennett's just sort of looking like cringing inwardly. That's right. Because I thought it was kind of a parody of how in costume dramas, everybody can sing perfectly and play the piano. And it's like, God, is that realistic? So I, yeah, I thought it was a parody, but actually you're right. Because in Pride and Prejudice, Mary is playing the piano really badly. I wonder if they, they got the idea from that. 
I think so, because I also hadn't realised in this episode the social, the social difference between the Featheringtons and the Bridgertons, and it really is a step up for the Featheringtons, isn't it, to be associated with the Bridgerton family? Um, and I almost felt sorry for the Featheringtons when, you know, Lady Featherington's at the Mideast and she's, like, trying to negotiate dresses and, oh, we're going to get married and we're going to marry into the Bridgerton family, like, ka-ching, we're going to get lots of money. Um, I kind of felt sorry for her there. So that reminded me of the Pride and Prejudice set up as well with the Bennets. Yeah. But can I just say, like, you know, when you're watching these costume dramas and like you laugh, you laugh at the Mary Bennets or, you know, the, the Lydia's because they're embarrassing themselves and they can't sing. And you always think, oh, you know, I'm gonna, I'd be the Jane or I'd be the Daphne or I'd be like the Elizabeth Bennet. And it's like, no, actually, I can't sing or play the piano. I would be Mary. Yeah. I would be the woman that no one would want to oh. hang out with. That's, That's sad. sad. Oh, jinx padlock. Um, so there was a few others I just wanted to add under my best bits. Um, there's a really good scene after after um, Daphne has figured out that Simon has lied to her, and she takes she almost takes a whole day out to like stare into the distance and look sad, doesn't she? And then yeah, he comes job. to yeah, he comes into a room when it's ready for bed, and he's holding a lantern he's wearing his dressing gown and Daphne looks so resolved she's made up her mind already what she's about to do and he comes in and he says are you ready for bed and she just looks so resolved and she goes I believe I am like really serious like shit's about to like you know get real and she just gets Mm -hmm. up and she just walks with such confidence and assertiveness towards the bedroom and then when they're in the bedroom he pops the lantern down he like goes to embrace her and she starts taking control she's in charge like in terms of like she's more like seducing him and I think she rips open his shirt and he looks taken aback for a moment he looks quite shocked like oh hello this is new and then obviously they're in bed and he's on top and then she purposely rolls on top of him and again yeah (laughs) it's taking charge and he again looks really shocked but like I'm liking it kind of shocked and obviously shocked or scared shocked I think like hot shot like oh this is new and I'm liking it hello Daphne Mm. and of course let me know what happens next she she you know doesn't get off and sorry yeah so it's I know really hard isn't it it's really hard because I know this is a, like really contentious scene um but yeah can I just say it was way worse in the book so do you remember oh. in the book he's actually really really drunk and pretty much asleep when she does this in the book yeah but he's really like disoriented and off his face and she basically has sex with him in that state I appreciate that this is like it is a it is an uncom- a really horrible and uncomfortable um, situation that happened, isn't it? And um, yeah, I think it caused like quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of discussion as well. But at the end of the day, yeah, she did something that was against his will, um, and then yeah. they had like a really heated argument afterwards. I didn't like that. I don't like seeing them um, fall out big time. Oh God, there was this horrible thing. Are we moving? Have we moved on to the eye rolls yet? I, I've still got one more, one more best bit. Okay, because um, there's an eye scene... roll connected to that scene, but we'll come Okey back dokey. to that. There's a scene um, right at the end, which I really liked. So Penelope's mm-hmm. been holding it together and she's tried to be really strong between this whole like Colin and um, Marina thing. And she's tried to be witty and slightly passive aggressive. And then right at the mm-hmm. end, she just goes to find... Um, 
Eloise and they haven't been they've been fallen out for quite a while they they don't not speaking and she just walks up to Eloise on the swing and she just breaks and she crumbles and she just starts crying her eyes out and Mm -hmm. Eloise has no idea what's wrong and she just goes to her and they just embrace and she's just Mm -hmm. holding her and she looks so concerned for her and Penelope just loses control and she's just sobbing and I just really Mm -hmm. liked that um reconciliation of the two of them yeah I like that too it was really raw and god it was sad wasn't it because I guess she's she loves this man she loves Colin so much she's willing to basically disgrace her family because that's what this news does it not only disgraces um the, the, oh, Miss Thompson it disgraces the whole family that savage conversation that um Miss Thompson what's what's Miss Thompson's first name Marina that that conversation that Marina has with her like if I'm going to be the one that breaks this childhood fantasy oh and I yes like, oh I wish someone that. had said that to me when I was 11 about my <laughs> my obsession with Keanu Reeves yeah I, I've got that as one of my quotes so I will say to, to Marina she's very good all the way through at trying to explain and justify and calmly rationalize with Penelope Penelope I have to do this you are my friend I value you I couldn't have got through this without you but you need to understand I have no choice I'm not doing this to hurt anyone like what would you rather like I think she's really good all the way through at just explaining to Penelope and not she never once gets angry with her um I think Mm -hmm. Marina's an intelligent girl and she's fair Um, and she's just fighting to survive is she fair I think you're right. She's fighting to survive and she's got a perspective about life that's quite brutal, isn't it? Like Lady Featherington. But is she fair? I just think she's very fair in the way she describes it to Penelope. And she's like, look, you'd rather I marry a monster. I think she says that to her at one point. Or someone yeah. that treats me like a beast. I have one chance to, to find a good father for my baby and be treated well. Um, I guess you could look at it as selfish, but it's 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 literally a life and death situation if she if she mm-hmm. has that baby she will be ostracized from society she might have to live on the streets it's a life or death situation back then and what I was wondering is actually you know Penelope if this was anyone other than Colin if this was a really nice naive pleasant man would you be putting up so much of a fight you know, this is only an issue for you not because mm-hmm. of what Marina's doing is kind of morally or ethically wrong it's because you want you want him so then I was like well is there a selfishness here as well because he loves Marina so he's is he really losing out here and is Penelope being selfish because if it was anyone else she'd be like yep go for it Marina do you know what I mean like it was fine until it was it involved her the guy that she loved but at the same time if you love somebody you don't want them to be deceived um, and lied to and that's what Marina's doing, isn't it? She's using him. She's not in love with him. And I guess um, that's devastating to see somebody you love be tricked that way. Um, yeah. So I do feel sorry for her. And maybe she does do the right thing. with. I, I don't know. Putting it in Whistledown was an awful thing to do. And there's a really sad moment where Marina comes downstairs and she's got her bag packed. And Lady Featherton just comes out into the hallway and she's holding Lady Whistledown's paper and she just looks at her and it's almost like it's over. And I just think that is not a nice thing to do. You've told everybody about her condition. And is that, is that fair? Maybe she could have done something differently. Like instead of saying, you know, Marina is with child, she could have said, 
Miss Thompson has a secret or Miss Thompson has had an affair. Like, I feel like there was something else she could have said. Yeah, because she ruined her. And again, she did it because she's in love with Colin. But if it had been any other guy that Marina had picked. And what yeah. happened to all those guys that came visiting Marina the first morning after the first ball? Why didn't she pick any one of those? Oh, yeah. Good point. That's a really good point. I don't know. Maybe she just thought, you know, Colin's a nice guy. She could kind of see herself spending time with him but that's a good point she did have quite a few suitors at first and now I feel like the more I think about it, the more I feel like oh was it a bit vindictive of Penelope because she you know why was it at this point she decided to to reveal all and I'm thinking it's because Marina basically was like you love you love Colin he sees you as nothing else than a little sister I, and then I'm like, oh, God, was this like revenge because of what Marina said? Or is it because she knew that she needed to take drastic action? I think so, because she was like, why is your bag packed? And she could, she knew that they were going to elope. So it was one last desperate attempt to stop them eloping. So I guess she was making that decision quite rashly. Um, maybe she hadn't thought it through. Blimey. And I guess that's why she oh. goes to Eloise and she's crying her eyes out. I thought it was because she was so upset about Colin, but she must have been crying as well because she realised she just she just put in the print for the Whistledown paper. Yeah, and that was a really big clue that she was Lady Whistledown, which I didn't notice at the Same. time because no one else knows, only Lady Featherington. Oh, no, to be fair, though... There's a scene, and I've written it down in my best quote, so I won't see the quote yet, but the two sisters are discussing the fact that Marina is pregnant, Penelope's sisters, and they're discussing it so openly in the, in the dining room, and Penelope's listening to them. And at that point, I was, I was thinking, I bet you Penelope's thinking, if those two, and they're really dumb, those, those two sisters, are talking about it this openly, anyone could overhear, actually, like, it could get out. I did not even think of that. I was thinking just now, though, as you were saying that, that the way they set up the dynamic between the Modiste and Miss Thompson, Marina, um, that would have been if that might have made it look like actually the Modiste was Miss. Um, yeah, I thought she was. Was she called the writer? Because that was. Down. Yeah, because in the episode, Marina completely burns the modiste doesn't she by saying basically in French I know that you're a fraud what an interesting accent you have it's a fake make my dress bitch basically in pretty much those words and then suddenly this news comes out and, and also we saw in a couple of episodes ago when she's being when Marina's being fitted for her dress the modiste is like oh je ne sais quoi pas blah, blah blah the dress is just small for you and then and then Lady Featherington's like oh she eats a lot of cake and um, I think she's like yeah that's not cake yeah. that's in there love I, so, so she knows Madame Delacroix the modiste she's the second person I thought was uh, Lady Featherington so I first thought it was um, I think I thought it was Lady Danbury my first guess my second guess was Madame Delacroix and I was convinced it was her mm-hmm. um, so sh- I, that's all my best bits should we go on to eye roll or yeah let's do eye roll moments um I think the first eye roll moment we've already talked about is where Mrs Miss Colston is showing Daphne around and she refers to the painting of the Duke's mum 
And she's like, she was most proper, perfect duchess, side eye, implicitly suggesting that you'll never be good enough, my Simon. That's what I took from it. So that was like the awkwardness, like the, the whole relationship between those two, like the power struggle. I was just like inwardly cringing, like, oh, just love her already. Why don't yeah. you love Daphne? To add on to yours, because I've got a similar one, it really annoyed me when Daphne was picking lavender for baskets with Rose and they were having a really lovely time doing that. And the housekeeper comes storming over and acts like Daphne has just committed some kind of sin. And she's like, if you wanted to pick lavender, I would have arranged it for you. Do you want to collect the honey from the hives too? And I was like, screw you. She's the duchess. She's in charge. If she wants to sit in the garden and pick lavender or make daisy chains, like, get lost. It really annoyed yeah. me. I was like, you're not in charge around here. I thought that was really rude. And I think Daphne kind of really condescended to her and just be like, oh, you know, I'm, you know, thank you. And I'm like, no, you should stand up to her and say, I'll do what I want to. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't get that at all. Why is she sort of pussyfooting around Miss Colston? I think that's Daphne's all... character, isn't it? Like she's not very assertive um, and she just wants to please people all the time yeah but you're right that was bordering on rude like and maybe she's jealous because you know Daphne didn't ask her to help her make the baskets and the lavender maybe she just wants to be included mm. oh this is another bit in my eye roll and it's actually a sex scene so there's this scene <gasps> <How> dare you <laughs> I know something happened I just thought was funny um so basically uh Daphne comes in and Simon ends up having sex with her on his desk firstly he's really rough he's just like bam 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 um and she clearly hasn't finished and it's over in like six seconds which I'm like oh it's kind of annoying um it was yeah and that's gonna get old real soon like I think the novelty of her having sex is gonna wear off and she's gonna be like look mate you need to last longer (laughs) I was really surprised because I was like there there was almost it started off like oh yeah this is gonna be good and I was like oh really that's it and then how dramatically he basically jizzed into this handkerchief in front of her and that's the big clue isn't it she she watches him do that and she's like oh my god that's what they were talking about he's purposely withholding his seed as they call it um (laughs) and I just thought it was really funny how dramatically he jizzes into that handkerchief that's why I put it under eye roll well, it was eye rolly because I swear he's not normally that loud or expressive. Exactly. Um, and we knew what he was doing, but even I was like, oh my God, is he okay? Like, <laughs> is he dying? <laughs> she asked him later, like early on, doesn't she? Like, oh, does it hurt? And I was like, oh, does it hurt? Because you're <laughs> acting like it's like acid sperm, like, yeah. like it's burning you. And um, maybe you've got an STD. <laughs> possibly we spoke about this before didn't we because of the whole like dark walk thing um mm. also what I thought was funny is because she immediately goes to find her maid I thought it'd be funny if she took the handkerchief with her and she was clutching it and she goes up to Rose <laughs> she's like Rose tell me what this is and it's just his handkerchief <laughs> full of spunk um oh, that's what god. I thought because literally it's the next scene she's barging down the corridor to find Rose and I was like oh god poor Rose Poor Rose, there are like no boundaries. Like at what point did Rose say, This is this is the kind of conversation I'm comfortable having? I'm comfortable <laughs> having conversations about your husband's penis. I feel like poor Rose is just being taken advantage of here. Like you've got to have some sort of employment contract when you start working there. You're right. Surely. Nowadays she'd sue for sexual harassment. <laughs> she'd be like, Yeah, my boss, my boss stormed into my bedroom without knocking, sits on my bed, sat very close, made intense eye contact with me, and asked her how babies are made. And I felt violated. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. She, but she would was, yeah. be able to sue nowadays for that. Yeah, but there are no boundaries. Like, definitely, mm, girl needs to sleep. Mm. And, you know, Rose is probably going to be getting up really early tomorrow morning. Like, the world doesn't revolve around you. Also, yeah. what if Rose had a male visitor in her house, in well, her bedroom? She stormed in. I was like, Rose might have been having some private time, you know? Wink, wink, nudge, yeah. nudge. And she just stormed in. So that would have been even more awkward. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was a little bit awkward. I really definitely agree with that. Um, another awkward eye roll moment for me was the sisters playing piano, but we've covered that. Um, I thought it was a little bit like cringe when uh, just before that scene that you've mentioned, uh, Daphne wakes up, the Duke isn't in his bed, she goes to the study and he's all stress heady because he realises that the land is in disrepair or whatever you call it and he's clearly busy he's been up all night he raises his voice a little bit when she's like oh isn't that the steward's job steward's job and then he's in the zone dude is trying to get some work done <laughs> and she's all like oh I think hmm I think I'm gonna make a basket and I'm gonna go to the village and he's literally got fuck off and stop talking to yeah. you in all of his face and then she looks at him and I was like you don't give a shit oh let him not paying let attention him be. for 10 seconds He's paying attention to the starving people that have had their rents tripled and are feeding their kids straw. Like, I just made yeah. me cringe. I should try and make conversation and he was in the zone. Like, let it go, love. you got to let it go. What Leave I've also put as my eye rolls there, which links to what you've just said, is it is bad. Simon is shown as irresponsible because there's a there's a, like a guy that comes up to him at the market and he's he kind of tells Simon off. He's like, mm. did you know that the rents have increased six times what they used to be and we can't afford our food? Like your father paid attention to this stuff and where have you been? And I was like, firstly, I, I find it hard to believe that would happen because, you know, they wouldn't go to the duke and say that to his face without probably getting whipped like 10 lashes but I was like oh that's awkward but yeah call Simon out he's got a job to look after the people in his estate and he hasn't been doing that that's really irresponsible um, it is irresponsible but he kind of blames Daphne like it's yeah. tongue-in-cheek but when going back to the office scene when she's oh you know awkward like people like like starving of hunger like well where have you been and he's all like oh you know uh, a girl with a stubborn right hook or something and I was like cute but also yeah and also you're due, you, you have responsibility you have tenants that are probably starving to death mm, awkward something else yeah. that Daphne does which just shows that she's just really a little bit insipid is when she has to judge the pigs and she doesn't have the balls to be like yeah that pig in the middle <laughs> is the prettiest pig it wins congratulations she's like oh I'm going to vote that they all win and I was like are you kidding me you had one job and that was to judge a pig and you've just effed it up and then everyone hates her from that moment I get what you're saying but I do think that your jealousy of her is clouding your judgment because I actually was like oh fair dues that's really fair she doesn't want that to be a loser so she wants everyone to be winners but there are no winners in this competition. Um, yeah. Least of all the pigs that get slaughtered. Well, she then says something like, oh, it's easy. They all win and none of them will be slaughtered. And I was like, uh, what do you eat, love? Because you're clearly not a vegetarian. I've seen you like wolfing down the pork. Like, where, <laughs> where do you think this food comes from? You can't yeah. be that ignorant. But I thought she was trying to be fair and diplomatic, which I was like, oh, that's cool but now you've you put it in that way 
are we hating on Daphne I do wonder sometimes we're just kind of a bit jealous there is a little bit of jealousy I think yeah sorry Daph we love you um so any more eye rolls I mean this wasn't so much an eye roll more of like a kind of a cringe moment and it just made me feel sad and a little bit sick inside that scene where Daphne is having sex with him the duke she gets off and they have this really uncomfortable, horrible, gut-wrenchingly distressing conversation. And he looks so confused. Like, he looks confused when he comes. And then it's like, like he sees her face and sees her, like, mm. silent triumph forward slash bitterness. And then it's that's when he's like, Daphne, what did you do? Because as far as he's aware, she's got no idea yeah. about semen. So as far as he's aware, at that moment, he just thinks she got carried away. It's only when he sees her, like, yeah. her face that he's thought- like, hang on a second, like, what's going on? Yeah, I thought that was quite cleverly done because he is he you can see, like you say, the dawning realization from when he's thinking, Oh shit, she doesn't understand to oh my god, she's done this on purpose. And that was yeah. quite sinister. And then mm-hmm. it was horrible seeing them fight. And do you know what? The first time I watched this, I was on the Duke's side, even the second time, and I was like, Yeah, it's entire it's okay for him to say, I do not want children. Um she shouldn't change him but the more I watch this I'm like actually he has been deceitful he has tricked her because he used her ignorance he wasn't honest and open with her and he used her ignorance against her if he if he didn't want to do it then what she did was wrong if he didn't want to have sex with her then what she did was wrong regardless of what have sex he just wanted her to he just wanted to pull out didn't he yeah so if she if 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 it had sex and she'd been like oh lovey-dovey I wonder what his reaction would have been like after I wonder if he would have been like oh that was amazing but also that was really naughty because FYI that's how you have that's how you make a baby do you think he would have been like that it is partly his fault because even if right she had agreed that they wouldn't have children it's not fair then on the other side of the coin for her to not understand that actually if you don't let him pull out you'll become pregnant would he have done if she genuinely didn't know that's how you have kids um like and she just got kind of like lost in the moment that would have been kind of his that would have been really bad wouldn't then because then like what if she was scared of having children maybe he would have told her then that's how you have kids Mm. yeah I guess they're not really on the same page although they want very different things so that's why god it was such a mess it was such a mess and the thing that killed me was when he was like what did you do and then he stutters did you hear that stutter oh I didn't notice oh it killed me he stutters and I think when you read the book it talks about how you know he stutters when he's really upset really upset really distraught and the emotional side it it gets over it gets it becomes overwhelming and when he stutters I was like oh my god he's like a little kid again and then this is the worst bit okay Hang on, this is a shocker for me. Are we moving on to shockers Let's or was move it on too to soon? For me, the shocker was when he said, You told me I was I was enough. And then she says the worst thing she could say. She says, That was before I knew you. And I yeah. was like, Oh my god, you are massively triggering him right now. But then she also His just trauma. say, I felt sorry for you. I think she follows it up with, I actually felt pity for you. Meaning she felt yeah, sorry for him that she, he couldn't have children because she thought that he was upset about that. Not that actually that's what he wanted. 
he never felt good enough. He's never felt good enough, even after his dad died. And now for him to say, I thought I was enough. I thought I was enough for you. And then for her to be like, that was before I knew you. I was like, oh, Jesus, like that. He needs therapy right now. Like you need to kind of get out of that situation and get some therapy. It also annoys me, though, because when they're walking back from the fair and they're talking about the child, she says something like, I forget all my worries when I'm around children. Like they're like a tonic to her. And he Mm. listens to that and he smiles and he kind of moves on with the conversation. He's all like, I'm so glad it's just the two of us. And I was like, you've, she just said something really quite Mm. deep. And also like, she's basically saying like, she's the happiest around when she's around children and you don't Mm. care. No. And he even acknowledged that she was unnatural around children so it does seem cruel and then later on if we fast forward to that scene where they have they have sex um and she finds out he's been you know he's been withdrawing information from her whatever you want to call it um and he says with literally um he says i would have taken a bullet for you like i would rather have died than give you a life without children and i was like well okay it's really extreme, isn't it? Like you'd rather die than not give her children, or you could have just, you know, not died, married her, and just told her the truth. Yeah, and it just the whole point of the story, I suppose, is that actually revenge doesn't hurt anyone but yourself, and that you need to learn to let things go. Because his whole mm-hmm. life with Daphne was almost ruined because of a grudge he made about somebody to somebody he didn't even like. Like he's still letting his father, like, negatively affect his life. It's ridiculous. He needs to let it go. And I guess that's the whole moral of the of the story, isn't it? So what other shockers did you have? I actually think that that was like, that eclipsed so much of what happened in this episode for me. I was so like, OMFG. I guess obviously, you know, the, the whistle down news, you know, releasing the fact that Marina was pregnant. Um, I wanted to ask you something really quickly. Don't think about it too long. How many times did they have sex in this scene, in this episode? Go, quickly, Three. tell me. Seven. No. And in how many of those scenes was Daphne lying down or passive? Five. Six. So, like, it goes back to what you said earlier. I did wonder if if they were leading up to the ending of that, that final episode where she was, like, really kind of taking mm. control. And I guess she kind of, I guess you could say, you know, she did violate him, I guess. You could argue, couldn't you? Um, and I just wondered, like, is she a lazy lover? If we ignore the final scene, is she a lazy lover? Because she's, like, lying down, or he's going down on her, or he's doing all the, the yeah. movement. What do you think? And she never goes down on him, but then, I guess, because she's new to the... He hasn't taught her that. I think it's just... I just think it's because she's inexperienced. Yeah, I, don't think I felt like lazy. he was way more. I feel like he was way more into her than she was into him. You know, when they wake up in bed and she's all like, "I need to know the estate," and he's like, "No, like I'm the estate. Play with me." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <That's> funny. <laughs> um, one of my shockers was that um, they're having a picnic at probably around lunchtime, broad daylight, on the grounds. Anybody could walk past with like a horse and carriage or anything. And he's butt naked. Literally, you see his bum um, mounting her. <laughs> oh <my> um, God. <laughs> and I was like, mountains. there's absolutely 
no chance this would happen and if it did you do it like I don't know in the woods or something but they're literally bang in the middle of like the great lawn and mm. I was just like oh my god no way and you see his bum like do you remember in the old days when we used to watch Pride and Prejudice like the 1990s version with the BBC and we were getting hot and flustered just seeing Mr Darcy with a wet shirt and it's like flat like fast forward 100 years and now we're getting to see like a guy's ass I know things how times have changed imagine what we'll see in another 100 years Mm. Um, the only other thing that was similar to that, uh, that's my last one, is when they were having sex in the library and Daphne I was like, just thinking that. And I just thought, firstly, 100%, you've got so many servants, they would go in to light, light the fire or open the curtains. Like, there's so many reasons the maids and the servants would go into that library. And I just thought, can you imagine if that happened in real life? Like... They must bolt the door, surely. Hmm. Or maybe well, that's part yeah, of the excitement. Maybe... They don't mm. bolt the door. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know that scene where the maids are like, um, they are listening outside the door. That just reminds you of you. Like that sort of thing you would do. You get your glass out, you put the glass against the door and you'd be listening. I do that um, all the time. Maybe they yeah. used that. Maybe they were thinking that as they were having sex and that's what made uh-huh. it so hot. Yep. Um, um Shall we move on to quotes? Yeah, I got lots of quotes. Well, I've got more like quotes and questions for you. So yes, let's start with quotes. Um, Something I loved, and I talked about this earlier, Penelope's two sisters, again, can't remember the names. um, They're having a conversation (laughs) and Penelope's in the background and they're talking about the fact that Marina is is getting married and how it's going to be amazing. Mm. And one of them says, between the two of them, they really will make the most beautiful baby. (laughs) And then the sister looks at the other sister. She's like, he's not the father you dunderhead. And then they start laughing. And she goes, the other one goes, oh, my goodness, I clean forgot. Um, And it's Penelope that basically interrupts. And she's like, yeah, it's not funny, guys. He's being lied to. But that interaction between the two sisters, they're just so dumb. It just makes, it just thought was really funny. (laughs) They remind me of us. Yeah, same. (laughs) I'm I'm the dunderhead. Um. With that scene, I wanted to Google Dunderhead because I was like, oh, surely that wasn't like a word back then. But lo and behold, it was. So apparently, I mean, do you know what Dunderhead means? I just thought it meant someone that was stupid. Yeah. So it was from, originated from the 1620s. Uh, Dunder comes from Middle Dutch, meaning Dunner or Dunder, which means to thunder. Uh, so basically it means Thunderhead. Um, it means dunce, numbskull, and there were similar words such as dunderwhelp and dunder, uh, dunder something because I can't read my writing. So, bit of mystery there. But isn't mm. that interesting? I thought dunderhead was like a really modern word. Oh, right. Okay. No, I hadn't really thought about it. You sound really bored. Is that, are you faking Skip. it right now? <laughs> yeah, I sense no, that. I that is a cute that. word. That is a cute, I might start using it. Oh, yeah, I had a question for you. They talk about, um, Miss Colston says, are you going to patronage or patronage the fair? What does that mean? I know it from Pride and Prejudice when Lady Catherine de Bourgh patronises somebody. And that means that if you're from an upper class, you will kind of be supportive of somebody in like a lower social class than you. And kind of, so in Lady Catherine de Bourgh's thing, she was like, 
I don't know, introducing them to society and like supporting them and giving them advice. And it, that's what it kind of means when you condescend to kind of, yeah, to something that's below you kind of thing, if that makes sense. So I was today years old when I realised that that wasn't patronised. And I thought this entire time she was patronising. I was thinking this before. I think the, the phrase to patronise somebody has originally come from that. Because to patronise well, just... someone is to kind of, yeah, to kind of over-teach and over-explain. And that's what somebody would have done if they were, paid, like, to patronise. Re- Do you know what I mean? You're right. I've just Googled it. And it means, like, to support or to give charity to. But I guess the negative spin on that would be to treat someone like a charity case. Yeah. Like, with a feeling of superiority. So And I think that's, that's where patronise comes from. Oh, like I get way, it. Which is quite interesting. Mm. Um, I've also got on there Penelope gets really sassy and passive aggressive throughout Marina's courtship of Colin and she kind of it's a really funny bit so they're getting ready to go to the Bridgeton house and Penelope's lined up next to her sisters and Marina comes downstairs and that's when Miss Featherton goes um, it's the it's the title of this chapter swish she tells her to swish And Mm -hmm. Penelope just pipes up and she's very patronising, but she comes across as like pretty clever. She goes, this plan of yours, I find it wanting. (laughs) And she basically then proceeds to rip into the plan that Lady Featherington and Marina have got together because she's like, look, Lady Bridgerton isn't an idiot. She's had like 100 kids. She knows when she's being played. But I just love that quote that uh, she came out with. Like it just, it made them look like idiots. It did, but it almost didn't feel like her. Maybe that's a little, the, the, the whistle down in her. But she's wrong. L- Lady um, Bridgerton, or whatever she's called, she is played. <laughs> she doesn't realise that Marina is pregnant. Does she? So maybe she overestimated. I think she Lady. meant in terms of their plan to rush the wedding. You know, when they're around the dinner table and they're like, oh, you should get married soon because the weather's so good. And Anthony's like, nah. And that's why um, they have to do the backup plan, which is to elope. Right, I get you. I get you. Yeah. Did you have any other quotes? Because I'm done. I, those are all of my ones. Okay, so question for you. With this following quote, is the Duke A, rude, B, sexy, or C, presumptuous? I have plans of my own for my new bride. I think it was supposed to be sexy. You think it was sexy that he said that? Because he means he's going to bang her, I thought. I know, but I was also like, hmm, rude that you're telling your new um, <laughs> household that you're going to bang her. And also presumptuous <laughs> because, like, what if she's not really in the mood? But I agree with you. I do think it's sexy. I think it was a bit um, rude because the, housekeep- he, the housekeeper was mid-flow and he just interrupted her. To be like, I'm going to go yeah, play my wife. Yeah, he was thinking now. with his dick. Yeah, yeah, he was thinking with his dick. And she's probably thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I didn't marry Frank, the love of my life. Um, I didn't have, you know, the children that I wish I had. I've given you everything. And you come here with your little pet, your little bit of, you know, sex on legs. And you just totally talked over me. And I prepared the house and I made you apple tart. Do you know what I mean? And he just mm. did not, he just didn't regard her. So I maybe that's maybe that's why she's a bit, pissy with Daphne because she sees Daphne as like a usurper is that the right word a usurper 
Yes, possibly. And I guess she just really loved her old mistress, Simon's mother. And I think maybe mm. she was a bit like, you You can't fill her shoes because she, she admired her so much. I think there's a little bit of that as well. Yeah. And then we later to find out, don't we, when she opens her heart up to Daphne, that she actually said to Simon's mum, you know, um, what was it? A womb can't quicken without a healthy seed. So they were on quite close, intimate terms with each other to be talking to your maid. Like she was yeah. basically the rose, like Rose is Daphne's bestie in the house. Mm. So maybe this lady was the mum's bestie, Simon's mum's bestie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't believe you miss this classic quote. I want to get it on a t-shirt. So um, why can't I remember Daphne's mum's name? <laughs> I just know as Lady Bridgerton. This is she Viscountess Bridgerton. Oh, goodness, I don't know. Let's just call her Mama Bridgerton. Okay. So Mama Bridgerton says to Eloise, blah, 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 something important. Uh, and then Eloise says um, uh, something about simpering conversation and pretending not to wince when gentlemen stand on my, step on my toes. Yeah, that was good. Eloise's husband. I good ruined time. it. I've ruined it because I can't remember the first, but I thought that was quite funny. I want that on a T-shirt. Um, yeah. No, she's she's got some good ones. I do love Eloise. I just, I like how, like, humble she is and self-efficating. What's it called when you kind of, you're, like, brutally honest about your, the things that you're not very good at? I don't know. Self-effacing, like you said? I don't know. That's it. I think I said it wrong. I'm just looking at my notes. Is there anything else that you want to chat about about this episode? No, I think we have covered everything. The only thing I've got here is, do you feel sorry for Lady or Mama Featherington in the in Le Modiste when she's basically begging to get a dress made? I do, because she was right on the verge of victory. It's like, oh, I finally got Marina an engagement I just need the trousseau which I was going to google because I don't know what that means I don't know whether it's some kind of wedding attire um and oh, then, a gown I think it also means the undergarments I'm not really sure we should look that up for next time what um, was it a wedding trousseau well she didn't say wedding she just said trousseau but I'm guessing it's something to do with wedding I just thought oh she's finally there and it's finally within her grasp and then oh another hurdle um, yeah she's the underdog and I hadn't realized before that people sort of like not looked down on her but I thought they were all of the same social standing until this episode and then I was like oh they're kind of seen a little bit as like social climbers mm, it's kind of embarrassing isn't it I think you're right I think a trousseau is some sort of piece of linen or something okay um, um one last eye roll before I go because we're talking about clothes Lady Featherington has this really quite horrible yellow floral dress that's so tailored and basically looks Victorian. So it's like got a strange neckline, it's got really corseted and then it's got a bit of a train and it just looks slightly Victorian. It doesn't look Regency at all and it kind of bothers me. I'm confused though, because you know with the Regency period where it was like gathered underneath the bust and then sort of A-line all the way down but then didn't it eventually become a little bit more like you know Napoleon Bonaparte-esque where they all started wearing wigs and it, the, the the type of dresses changed didn't it become a little bit more like what Lady Featherington is wearing later on 
I would say what she's wearing is definitely more Victorian, which is what, like another 50 years later. Depends on when mm-hmm. this is set. Um, or, or actually, it's more kind of late Victorian, I think, the, the silhouette style. Late Victorian, I'd say. Maybe the Maybe. actress was like, look. Yeah. Maybe the actress was like, look, I want to be involved in this gig because it looks great, but I want something that's going to make me look banging hot. And they were like, oh, okay. I mean, we love you. You're a great actress. We're just going to do it. And also, they aren't historically, the show isn't historically accurate. So maybe that's their way of being like, you know. I would be interested to know the choices they made for Lady Featherington are very different. Um, and I don't know whether it's because she, she's supposed to be an uptight, controlling person. So they've made her dress very controlled and, you know, tightly laced. Maybe that's mm. supposed to be a reflection on that element of her. Um, I would be interested to find out, actually. Yeah, uh, we will include that in our next episode because there are some things, I think, that we could probably find out about that. Yeah, so anyone listening, uh, we also have a Harry Potter podcast called um, Hogs Media, the Inappropriate Harry Potter Podcast. If you want to go and check that out, do. But if you want to message us about anything we've been discussing, you can message us at our Hogs Media email address. What is it, Nat? I'm sorry, I was distracted by the way you said message. It was like, message us. <laughs> Someone's drunk on chocolate wine. That's what Too happens when you don't share. Too much drinky poos. Too much drinky. I don't remember the name of the email address, but I'm going to put it in the description. So okay, it's in the I description. Any wine. <laughs> so at least I've got an excuse. Um, so email us in the description if you disagree or agree with anything we say, and we will give you a shout out in the next episode. Oh, cool. Cool. Is that a thing um, now? We just do shout outs? Awesome. Why not? <laughs> we will answer any questions you have. Um, or if you correct us, we will also um, begrudgingly read those out too. Uh, we also have it on good authority that the guy who plays the Duke is a big fan of our show. No, he's not really. But you never know. He might be. And how awesome would it be for your name to be read out? I think he'd feel violated if you listen to this show. I think he'd feel like, yeah, incredibly violated. Yeah, same. Cool. Is there anything else you wanted to add? No, we'll be back next week, though, won't we, to discuss episode seven of the season. Yes. Cool. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye.